I'll be honest with you, rodeo season is about to kick off, and I am not a rodeo guy, uh, but I do like good cowboy boots. And Tacovas, well, they're all about rodeos, but you know what else they're about? Rock and roll. My best friend is a rock and roller. He's a guitarist. He wears these boots. It's awesome. Tacovas believes in Western for all, and you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. Offer to boot shine and drinks, yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. You can even get custom leather stamping or branding that'll make your boots truly one of a kind. Look up your closest store on Tacovas.com. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And Point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use the code TRUCKS at checkout. That's T-R-U-C-K-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter the code TRUCKS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, Only at Tacovas.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another fabulous day with the TFL Talk crew. Today, we're going to be covering one topic, but we're going to break it into a couple pieces, and that's specifically about the brand new Tacoma. Now, I know before you say anything... What, what? Tacoma, yes, everybody's talking Tacoma, everybody's talking Tacoma. Actually, a lot of people are talking Cybertruck as well, which we're not doing this time. <laughs> but, but because we were lucky enough to be one of the first, at least in our area, to get our hands on one, we had the opportunity to live with it. So we're going to talk about day-to-day -day life with the Toyota Tacoma and... The new one. Brand new one. Yes. And we're going to talk about the competition. That's kind of in the second half of the show. Because we have a unique insight with the vehicle as opposed to just simply driving it for a couple of days. We really put miles in it. We drove the hell out of it. And uh, also we're going to talk about our Patreon friends. And uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's pretty, and a little bit of news. And a little bit of uh, happy holidays, guys. I mean, we are in that season still. We and, are indeed. And New Year's Eve is coming up just a day away. Yeah, by the time you guys uh, yeah see this, it will be a day I'm preparing for it personally. I've got a lot of nog that I'm about to prepare. So, yeah, I'm, I'm heavy on the nog. So, yes, happy holidays. Hope you're enjoying your time off. And we're not taking any time off uh, no. for this podcast because we want to bring you the latest news. That is correct. So we are going to be here uh, for the duration talking about the Tacoma and some news. All right? Yes. So let's hit it. So thirst? Uh, thirst? Well, yes. For, first. Actually, it's a good point. Are I you, should you, bring out my coffee and you, uh, start sipping away. Are you, are you thirsty? Yeah, always. No, I wanted to thank some of our Patreon supporters like we always do. Um, Patreon.com slash TFLCar is our only page up there. And recently, Sam Peed. Uh, thank you, Sam. That's an awesome uh, name. Um, Sam has a question, uh, but it has to do with heavy-duty pickup trucks. And this, this show... Uh, so I want to save this question. Um, yes, it has to do with some diesel-powered Ram trucks, and there is a lot of new, a lot of, well, really questionable stuff happening there. That is true. Um, and we've covered it. Yeah, so we check have... out oldtfl.com. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we, we're going to 
leave that off a little bit until we have more information. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank, thank you, Sam. And thank you to all of our other supporters through this holiday season. We really appreciate it. Okay. Now, a little bit of news. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm bald. I, 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 I know it's a shock. Just, um, But there's a reason why this is important. Um, I feel that the need for sunroofs is a little overblown nowadays. I enjoy fresh air, mind you. I, uh -huh. I, you know me. I drive with the windows open off, and, and it's not just because I'm gassy. Uh, it's, but I really do enjoy fresh air. However, I've been noticing that a lot of people who I've been talking to both on Twitter – sorry, X um, – and other media, they've said the same things. Why do I have to get a truck – with a panoramic sunroof, it doesn't make any sense. I just want a regular truck. But these packages that they're putting together mm. are forcing me to get this panoramic sunroof. And I see. You know what I mean? And so, like, they want, like, the, the, the surf and turf, but they don't want the sunroof. And at, the question was, does the sunroof affect efficiency? And it's an interesting question because sunroofs are heavier than your regular steel roof. We know that. Um, so I wanted to see whether or not Andre would be willing to tear out a sunroof in a vehicle uh, after we do a first loop and then, you know, see what happens. But he's going to say no. Which vehicle? Well, first of all, the Tacoma we have has a sunroof. But it's not a panoramic one. No, it's a, it's a traditional smaller one. Still, that adds weight. Yes. A little bit. Uh, definitely. Definitely adds weight because there's a mechanism up, up there to move it up, close and open there's it. Tracks, tracks. And the glass itself is probably heavier than the sheet metal that it replaces. And it has to be shatterproof. You know, what if the vehicle rolls over? It has to be safe. Right. Yes. So that's a really good question. But I'm not going to remove the sunroof. For you. Okay. Well, see, sorry, guys, he won't play along. Uh, but I will say this. If we ever get an opportunity to get a truck that has the sunroof package and one that doesn't have the sunroof package or panoramic and blah, 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 we will definitely note that. And perhaps we can do one of our 50-mile loops and see if, well, if there's a difference. But the bottom line comes down to weight. It's not going to be aerodynamics. It's not much of an aero difference. I would imagine it's going to be weight. And so that and, can be simulated. Yeah. And that's very, probably would be very, very minimal. I don't think uh, it's going to be the whole difference. Yeah. But we have done an MPG loop with the Tacoma. That's where I was going with this. Oh, yes, oh, oh, I, I, I see was, where yes, I, I was I'm almost your... picking up what you're laying down. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate okay. that, bro. Um, yeah, so this leads me to what we did recently do with the Toyota Tacoma, the brand new one. You may notice, if you're able to watch this, the Toyota Tacoma that we drove, which is exactly the same one that's behind us, at least image-wise. Yeah has a giant chin spoiler. It is huge. It makes Leno's chin look well, small. Well, didn't you measure it? You actually got out tape, measuring yep. tape, and you measured it between 7 and 8 inches long, depending on where you measure. Right, because it, 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 it tapers upwards. Um, this thing is, is ginormous, but it's effective because if you watch the video, you will see there is a difference between having the chin spoiler on and off in terms of arrow, but I got to tell you, in terms of looks, <laughs> take it off. Just remove yeah, so it. So it's a weird thing, right? So w when Toyota initially announced and revealed the new Tacoma, this was in Hawaii, mm -hmm. they actually put several images online. And every trim of the new Tacoma had a chin. Right. So there was a little bit of a pushback because even though we all love efficiency. Yeah, right, sure. Uh, we don't like... It looks odd. It just looks out of place a little bit. It almost looks like an afterthought. Doesn't it? It doesn't look like it's part of the design. And in addition, one of the things that we do at TFL 
So we'd go off-road. And the other thing we do is we drive through snow, and both of those things are not conducive. Well, some people called it snowplow. When you have a snowplow, exactly. <laughs> so, so then, you know, this was in May when they first shorted in 2023. Right. Then when the truck came out, you know, closer to November, when we were actually able to drive it for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, certain models did not have a chin spoiler. For example, TRD off-road didn't have it. Which makes sense. Yes. And some others. Uh, so... Toyota said, you know, we did the calculations because they're still submitting their data to the government for right. cert- certification, right? Right. And they said, well, for some of them, we still want the chin. For some of them, we don't. And I think it's because they read some of your comments and they saw some of the pushback as far as aesthetics, right? How it looks. Yeah. Especially on off-road models. Yes. And and you're, you guys actually were effective. Um, think about it this way. They do watch and read what goes on with YouTube, with, you know, on the internet, what Apple plays and what have you. So your feedback matters. And this is a really good example of that. However, they're still doing the giant chin spoiler on a lot of their vehicles. So what we wanted to figure out, we actually wanted to remove it. Mm -hmm. First of all, figure out how to remove it and how fast you can remove it. And also run two MPG loops, which we just did. Yep. And you could see it once again, altfl.com is an aggregate of everything we do. So we do have eight channels and you know three websites and just podcasts. a lot of stuff that comes through. But it's an aggregate. So it's not really a search engine, right? So yes. you could see the last week of stuff pretty easily. But if you want to dig deeper, we would recommend you go directly to YouTube or even our website. Or go to tfltruck.com. Yeah. yeah. And then you can dig down and, and search some of the history yeah, uh, that, on that topic. After about a week to 10 days, stuff gets booted out because more stuff's coming in. I mean, you know us. We, we keep putting out more and more stuff. So so we yeah. did it. So and originally, the engineering team at Toyota said it's nine bolts. Mm-hmm. And, well, we've been fed similar lines before by other manufacturers, right? Which have been either really accurate or extremely inaccurate. Yeah, so we wanted to put it to the test. Yep. And so even Tommy also put this Tacoma on a lift. You know, we really went to town on this truck because, you know, Tommy had it for slip test. He published that video as well. Uh-huh. He took it into Andre's pit. Yep. He t- tested it there. He put it on a lift. He looked underneath the truck because it has a brand new chassis. Fully boxed, by the way. Yes. And it was very easy to remove the chin. Yes. So uh, once it, we, we don't want to go into too many details of the video, but fortunately, Andre was willing to get down in the dirt while I stared at him and timed him. I actually timed him using yes. my phone uh, just to see how long it took for him to remove it. Now, if I recall, you were using a 10 millimeter socket. Right. And I brought a power tool. With right. Me. So, I mean... Yeah, it wasn't a hand. Which is what guys do. We love power tools. Hell yeah, I would have done the same thing. However, if you're on the trail and you're, you know, there's a good chance you would just have a regular socket set. So I would probably double the time if you have a socket set. Um, But it was still not very long. And yeah, nine bolts later, he was able to pull that off. Also, you could do it with a Phillips screwdriver, I believe, too. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So simple tool, actually, you can remove it. Yeah, and there's two that are inboard by the tires on each side, but then the rest of them are actually out front, in front of, like underneath the license plate, essentially, where that would go. On the leading edge, yeah. Yeah, And And it's very easy. He could do it with his long, ungainly arms. And I'm not even like Alex or Case. I'm not mechanically, you know, great. Well, Alex and Case can both, they're like little spider monkeys. They can get in anywhere and, and, you know, uh, wrench on anything. So anyway, and yeah, once again, I I timed it, which is a valuable tool as well. The bottom line here is that, and I want to make this very clear, we're not going to go into the actual numbers from that test. You guys can watch it. But 
It didn't drive any differently as far as I could tell. No, and there was no noticeable sound. Like it's not like an aerodynamic device that either adds sound or removes sound. So we didn't notice any cabin noise differences. Um, But I did notice one thing when we arrived back at our headquarters Mm -hmm. after removing the chin and driving on our highway loop. Um, the, The two bolts next to each wheel in the front... Um, I, I believe they have to be inserted back into the position after you remove the chin because they're also holding part of the uh, shroud for the wheel well, uh, wheel well liner. So, oh, so after you remove the chin, so we screwed up a little bit. I screwed up a little bit. Okay. So after you remove the chin, it, it would be wise to put those bolts back in. Right, because you got that little flap there that holds part of the uh, wheel well insert liner. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really important as well. So yeah. we're still learning. Yeah, we are. So, so I don't, but I don't think that caused anything. I didn't hear no, any flapping. No, there was no rubbing. There was no noise differences. There was no, and so, but I, but I do gotta say, the difference between having it off and on was small. Yeah. And, and so it would make sense if you're prudent, if you are owning this truck for, you know, many, many, many years, it would be prudent for you to have it, you know, because you can get that small benefit of efficiency. Yeah. Especially if you're a commuter and you do yeah. long distance. But I think most people might remove it, actually. I would, that'd be, that would be the first thing. I don't think I'd even leave the dealership with it on, to be honest with you. And that's how much yeah. I dislike it yeah. visually. So it, it's, 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 the difference is small. Yeah, but I understand why Toyota did this. And there's a bottom line here. Other automakers are doing exactly the same thing. Ford's doing it with their large trucks, especially the heavy duties. Have you seen some of the chin spoilers they have? Yeah. They're huge, too. Like Super Duty has a big, huge. Uh, maybe even the same size as this. It might be the same size as that, but it's wider, obviously, yes. because it's on a Super Duty. So, yeah, I, let's talk about. Here's the other thing. Oh, yeah. Go I ahead. just want to bring up. Other full-size pickups like F-150s and some Ram 1500s uh-huh. have actually movable chins. Yeah. So when the chin is retracted, it's an air dam basically that comes down from underneath the front bumper or gets retracted back up. But mid-size trucks like the Tacoma, the space is at the premium, right? That's Yes. And plus, there's, you add weight when you have the complexity of servos yeah. that are making something go down and up. Plus, it needs a little track or something like that. Yeah. You're going to add weight. Yeah, and uh, learning about the new Tacoma, even the front sway bar and the disconnectable front sway bar and some off-road models, uh-huh. it actually goes behind the rear uh, wheels, yes. not in front of it, and like in some full-size trucks, because they're trying to package so many things. They're, they're space limited. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's not movable. I mean, if it was active chin, it w- it would probably be a different story. So now let's talk about driving it on a daily basis, driving it long distance, which we, we've done all of that. The only thing we haven't done with it, and you know, a little bit of an elephant in the room, we'll just address it now, is we haven't towed with it. Um, we will tow with a Tacoma very soon, just yeah, not because, this one. Because we're buying one, too. That's correct. Yes. It's, there's, it, it's convoluted. Um, we had to decide what we were spending time with, and so that's why we did all these tests with this truck. So we could pack everything in in a very small amount of time. And it's also holiday season. So not everybody is here. You know, we don't have the full team. <laughs> it's, it's empty right now. There is like nobody around. Why are we the only ones here? Because we're suckers. Yeah. No, and no. We're dedicated to you guys. We're, the de- we're, we're dedicated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. By uh, the way, before we talk about daily driving, because we did also drag racing, daily driving. Uh, we did a lot with this truck. Yes, we did. I, I want to thank two more people really quick. So Scott Power. Uh, also helped us out and donated a little bit on 
patreon.com so scott really appreciate your support and also taiga donated something and taiga t-y-g-a-h so thank you taiga taiga awesome thank you so much yeah so now uh let's talk about our drag racing experience because we did have to drive a lot in order to accomplish this as well yes we did um so one of the things that many of you guys have been curious about is whether or not the new was it a 2.4 liter 2.0 yeah the 2.4 liter turbo can hold up against say other turbos because as you guys know many vehicles out there are moving towards turbocharging just a few years back, it would have been crazy to say that Toyota would be turbocharged, but it'd also be crazy to say that everything GM's building that's midsize is turbocharged. Guess what? They all are now. Uh, and Ford, yes, they went to they were one of the early adopters to you know small displacement turbocharged engines. Yes. And we've proven before that the Ford Ranger is fast and can tow really well for a little truck. But unfortunately, we didn't have a current Ranger to compete directly against it. But we did have a current Chevy Colorado compete against it. Yeah, and here's the thing about the Ranger. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, I looked, right? So one of our buddies, uh, actually Alex's friend, has a modified Ranger. Mm. We didn't really want a modified Ranger for the, some comparisons because it's modified. You know, it was lifted with bigger tires. Yeah, so if it didn't win the race, then you guys would have obviously, especially Ford fans would say, well, that's no fair. It's lifted in a you know, more drag. And it's not stock, right? Uh, also... Uh, sometimes we 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 have access to some used vehicles at dealerships, some of our friendly right. dealerships are, around here, and I couldn't find one. <laughs> Actually, they're so rare right now. Um, I found one that was two-wheel drive only. Mm -hmm. That's, once again, not fair because the height is a little bit different. Yeah, there's not, it's not it, as heavy. And it's lighter. Yeah, yeah, there's not as much drag. So, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. However, this is what we did do. We did get a previous generation Toyota Tacoma. Um, was Old a, versus new. It was it a TRD? It was a TRD off-road, off so not quite apples to apples because the new Tacoma we have right now in the press loan is a limited luxury model, right? Mm -hmm. So we did have a TRD off-road third gen. Of course, the brand new 2024 fourth gen. And then my Chevy Colorado. Yep. And then another truck came out. That's right. A special surprise. Um, should we talk about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah. do it. So that was a first gen uh, Tacoma, but it wasn't a normal one, not even close. Uh, small bed, small cab, very the smallest version you can possibly get of it. Little tiny guy. <laughs> but it had a 3.4 liter V6 that was highly modified with a uh, supercharger. Yeah, brand new Magnuson supercharger, actually. And I say brand new, not like it was purchased recently. It was actually a new design, next generation Magnuson supercharger. Right. And our friend John brought it out. And actually, John... Uh, we worked together with John with his truck in the past years ago too, yeah. uh, and his truck when we saw him this week for the drag race had seven hundred and sixty-five thousand miles, which uh, is impressive. And the truck looks almost brand new. Yes, it's a nineteen ninety-seven. I mean, it's what twenty-seven years or so. Yeah, uh, almost. Um, and here's the thing: 
it's not the original engine, right? <laughs> because we want to be open about this. Absolutely. Right? Because, because if it was, and that engine was supercharged all of its life, this would be just incredible, right? Yep. But the original engine, um, the um, head gasket went at 480,000 miles. That's all? <laughs> Super being supercharged also. Right. Yes. Uh, and then instead of replacing the head gasket, John thought about it and he said, why don't I just get another engine? Right. So he did get a used engine, same thing, 3.4 liter V6 with 100,000 miles. He pulled it out of somewhere. It was relatively affordable, actually. Right. And now he, since then, put another 300 plus thousand miles on it. So he almost has two engines with like 400,000 miles plus on each, both supercharged. Now, I had a Tacoma with a 3.4 liter V6, and it's no freight train. And on top of that, it's not very efficient. It's, it's, it was replaced by, frankly, a better engine, the 4 liter. But that still, that 3.4 liter, bulletproof, really strong. Well, I think that's the whole story behind it is yeah. that, and I asked John, actually, what about the rear axle? Is that original? He said, yes. So a lot Incredible. of the driveline is original. Right. Of course, the frame and the rest of the truck is original. Yep. Uh, wow, that's a testament to how much extra margins, right, for capability that the, the truck has. But let's quickly talk about its numbers before we move back to the, the new Tacoma. And that is uh, the vehicle weighs, what, 3,400 pounds? It's not very heavy. It's a little guy. Yeah. Four-wheel drive, yeah. but still... I don't even know how much it weighs, I, I but not very much. It's not a lot. No. It's it's in the three thousand pound zone. Yet it's putting out over three hundred horsepower. Yeah, at at the wheels. Yes, at, and close to four hundred pound feet of torque. Uh, uh, so it was. It's problematic to drive because it just wants to spin its tires right off. Yeah, and we actually have some video of Andre doing exactly that. Um, fortunately, we got a chance to, of course, play with that and, ra and race it and all that other stuff, and it was cool. But the most important thing was how the Tacoma new one performed in the drag racing. And I can comfortably say that, yes, it is quicker than the V6. It damn well better be because you guys would not be satisfied if it was equal to it. So it is a little bit faster, especially up here at high elevation. Remember, we are over a mile above sea level in certain spots where we test. And that racetrack is a mile above sea level. Mm -hmm. And if you have a vehicle that is naturally or normally or whatever you want to call it in terms of its induction. There's no induction. It is just regularly aspirated, naturally aspirated, whatever. Sure. Um, and it's at, it's at a major disadvantage because it's losing quite a bit of its horsepower yeah, at high well, elevation. So the air density is about 17% less. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't, it's not, you know, directly linear how it affects the power, but it is losing considerable amount of power. Yeah, and some people say that uh, every 2,500 feet you lose 3% or something like that is what's, what one person put out there. But that's not the same across the board. Some cars handle it differently than other cars depending on fuel injection and how they run. Um, and also, obviously, whether or not they're turbocharged. Turbocharged vehicles, supercharged vehicles are at an advantage at high elevation. Hence, that Toyota Tacoma did still lose some power, but nowhere near as much as the V6 Tacoma did. Yeah, and of course it has an eight-speed automatic. The new truck has a different transmission. Yep, has a slightly different rear axle ratios, um, and of course transmission gearing ratios as well. It certainly shifts uh, better than the old one, that's for sure. Yeah, and it just has more breadth. So the the old V6, by old I mean the previous gen, yeah, uh, the third generation Tacoma, and the six-speed automatic that it's made it to, 
I think it's clear now. I think most people agree, and we agree as well. It's not the best pairing. Uh, actually, I love the old manual transmission Tacoma as well. I do too. Because you could just have it in more kind of the ratio you want it to be in, right? Right. And the V6 and the six-speed older transmission was hunting a bit for gears. The new one doesn't hunt. No. The new one, I think they nailed this one. It has a completely different personality, and we got to drive it on wide open highways and also through city streets and um, you know back roads. And it never put a foot wrong. It never seemed like it was struggling to find a gear, and it would just very lightly change gears, so you didn't feel anything jarring. I mean, I never felt anything jarring, not even once. Yeah, um, it's pretty smooth. And I th- of course, the the main question I think a lot of people have: why not ten speeds? Ah, right. You have the, the answer. I do, because I asked Toyota this. Exactly. Um, because the Ranger has 10 speeds. Yes. A lot of half-ton trucks have 10 speeds, including the Tundra. Correct. Which mm. is actually strange. I thought that they would share that with the Tundra, but that Tundra, just the physical bulk of that transmission is very different than what they wanted. For and that's it. a big reason why. Mm-hmm. It's actually the 10-speed automatic is actually a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And every inch counts here. This is a mid-sized truck. Right. Right. And also... As far as the gearing is concerned, and I'm sure, of course, Toyota doesn't want to disclose every detail, right? Yeah. Because it's competitive advantages sure. for manufacturers. But I'm assuming for this size of truck and the volume, because they need to build a lot of these. Yes. You know, they've sold almost a quarter million Tacomas this year. Uh, we're going to do another more numbers when the final numbers come out. Right. Um, but the volume of the transmission and also reliability of the transmission, I think, has a lot to do with it. I agree. So the size of it, just how it behaves in the truck, and how many they need to produce. I think the eight-speed was a better choice. Also, more money. Money is important. So sure. It's probably a little bit more affordable to build an eight-speed. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm sure weight is also part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these things factor into them not sharing across the board, which is interesting. I thought they would. The reason why I thought they would is because Nissan did something very similar. Nissan's uh, nine-speed that they put inside the Titan, a very similar nine-speed went inside the Frontier. And it's it, it when things are going well, it works great. Unfortunately, Nissan actually did have to do a couple of recalls on that transmission, but I think they sorted it by now. I think so. Yeah, but that I, that's why I assumed that they would uh, Toyota would do the 10-speed going from the Tundra down to the Tacoma, but they didn't. And I get it now. I mean, we've driven this thing. And in terms of its driveline, fantastic. However, very important to note, there's one issue, one that you and I agree on. What? That's a little bit of a weird thing that's going to take some getting used to. Is it machismo of the exhaust system? Pretty much. The sound. Mm. I know that the V6 doesn't sound amazing, um, unless, of course, you do what our friend did with his first gen that thing sounds like an animal. What, like straight pipe it and supercharge it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so we get it that the 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 three point four or in this case four liter from the what is it? No, the, the recent ones and the three five, the three five, uh, all um, of them. They don't sound great, but they have unique sounds. Yes. You know because uh, I I told the I think I told the story previously, but I was hiking. Uh, and I w- there was a little country road near where I, where I was hiking, uh-huh. and I heard a forerunner, and I knew immediately it was a forerunner yeah. because it had a four liter, and they had that unique Toyota sound. There, there is a unique sound to that and, uh, engine. I agree. And I think we lost that. I, I don't. I don't I, this four cylinder turbo sounds like other four cylinder turbo. It sounds like a lumpy Honda four cylinder from a few years ago to me. So, 
Yeah, so it'll still be, you know, we need to get used to it. Or yep. maybe the aftermarket may have some answers here, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know if they can make this sound better. It's It certainly doesn't sound throaty. It doesn't sound macho or anything, and it certainly doesn't sound deep. So for those of you where it, it sound matters, sorry, that's the one complaint I think that he and I both agree on. But Toyota is doing something else. They're doing both noise cancellation inside the cabin and also a little bit of noise enhancement inside the cabin as well. And they're doing it for the automatically automatic transmission equipped trucks, not manual. Yeah. So if you have a manual, you have a different experience. Uh, we can, we'll, we'll have to talk about that a, a little bit later. But um, I think that matters too. And it's a very quiet truck, actually. It is a quiet truck. There are quieter yeah. out there, but there certainly are a lot of loud ones out there. I think that they, Toyota really did get a handle on making this truck a much more quiet and a more comfortable truck. Yeah, and we'll have to, of course, we haven't driven the hybrid yet. Nobody has, really. I mean, there is one promotional video out there. Uh, but I imagine because the current Tundra TRD Pro hybrid and Sequoia and some others that have the hybrid technology with the V6, mm -hmm. they sound... There's a lot of augmentation going on. It almost sounds like a video game <laughs> inside of those trucks when yeah. you're driving it. This does not sound like a video game. It sounds a little bit more natural. So the enhancement they're doing in this Tacoma is not that great. It's just a little bit of help. I'm really on the fence with enhancement. I, I really, I genuinely hate it. However, I do get it that you need to hear some sort of engine note and hear the gear changes uh, for certain types of people. They just need to have that in their life. And if you were to take away that augmented sound, you may not actually even hear the engine because they've quieted the cockpit. Uh, so you don't hear any of the harsh rattles or anything else going on outside. With that being said, um, I think we should move on to the comfort of the vehicle because that's yeah. another place that's huge. Uh, the front comfort is really good. I mean, they improved the seat positioning, at least for me, on the driver's side. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and you? Without a doubt. Yeah. So one of the things that the previous Tacoma had uh, that some of us had issues with is it was actually a very small truck on the inside. If you looked at it, it was a fairly squished platform. The underside was kind of high and the roof was kind of low, which was great for appearances. It's a great looking truck. But when you're relatively tall or very tall and you get into it, what happens is your butt is almost on the floor and your legs, in some cases, are almost straight forward. Now, Toyota did address this a couple years ago by adding a power seat, which lifted you a little bit and can move you around a bit. But then again, the roof made it difficult for people who had tall torsos. So it was this weird mixed bag. Um, the one that I owned, I was never very comfortable driving with my particular physical build. It was just an uncomfortable driving position. And other people have complained about that as well. And then when you compare it against the Nissan Frontier, which had a taller, a little bit more accommodating cab, then Toyota really started taking a couple steps further back. So what did Toyota do? They made a bigger, much more usable cab. Yeah, and it was obvious when we put the previous gen and the, the this new one side by side. Oh, man. The new one just looks larger in all, you know, it's a little bit wider, mm -hmm. it's a little bit taller. Oh, yeah. It just has bigger presence yeah, right it, there. Yeah, it is a larger vehicle physically, especially when you put them next to each other. Um, and then getting in and out of it is just a much more comfortable thing. Now, bear in mind that this one has, which I've never seen on a midsize truck, uh, steps that drop down. Power steps. Power yeah. steps. Yeah, this is a limited tram, which is quite expensive. I mean, it's kind of an all-in situation, 
Um, I think Toyota is going after something like the GMC Canyon Denali with this with, one, with, with this trim, because it's got the chrome, uh, like the wheels and the grill and the bumpers, and also has some luxury features. Really nice seats, actually. Yeah, the seats. Uh, the are, material of the seat. I think they're better. They feel better than the Tundra that I was just yeah, in. Yeah, actually, yes. You I know, agree. I don't understand why, and maybe it's just perspective, but it really felt like to my body. I think the design body. of the seat is a little bit different. I agree. Yeah. And uh, I was in a much more comfortable driving seating position. I had better outward view. Pretty much everything, at least from the front seats, has been vastly improved. Yes, uh, but the same cannot be said for the rear seat. Correct. I mean, it's okay. It's the rear seat um, cushion is not upright. I mean, it has a little bit of an angle to it. So, which is least, a little bit better than Nissan's. I at think. least your back is a little bit, uh, you know, reclined. Yeah, you're not sitting bolt upright. You can lean back a little bit. But there's leg room. It's mm. dreadful. So if we compared it against the Ford, the, the recent Ford uh, Ranger that we had, and also the, or the Colorado, Ranger, for that matter. Or the Colorado, they're all in the same ballpark, really, in terms of backseat room. None of them have very good backseat room. However, if you want a midsize truck that has really good backseat room and a lot more elbow room, there's another vehicle out there. Are you going to say Honda Ridgeline? I am. And here's the thing about the Honda Ridgeline, which I know a lot of you guys love and a lot of you hate. Uh, the Ridgeline, for those people who actually need to haul human beings, is still the best in class. Uh, it just is. It, it's, it's basically like driving a minivan or a crossover. It's that comfortable. And the backseat space is much more usable. Uh, we will talk about the driving differences between them a little bit later. But I just want to talk about you know interior. A couple of uh, points on my end to finish up with. Uh, the vehicle we were driving is a pre-production one. So if you watch the videos and you're looking at it and going, you know, some of the little materials look a little harsh around the edges. Or some shiny materials like right. plastics. Yeah, it, it may not be there with the final production one. So I don't, yeah. I'm not going to talk about fit and finish because it wouldn't be fair. However, I can talk about design. And the design of the interior has a lot of interesting components to it. It does have a very nice-looking screen. The... Uh, infotainment system is not my favorite. Yeah, I, I would agree. So first of all, it's the same new system that the Tundra uses and some other vehicles like right. the Sequoia and many others. Uh, they're just, as soon as the new vehicle comes out in the Toyota lineup, this new infotainment system is now was multimedia. 17.7 inch screen? or uh, No, know. not this one. Um, that was the Blazer. That was the Blazer. Um, this one is 14. 14. Still a gigantic screen. And for a small vehicle like that, perfectly fine. And still, I mean, there's wireless CarPlay, Android Auto, so you can hook up your phone right. to it. Uh, that's still great. But I, I, and here's another thing. We, we said we're saving towing for a little bit later. But I, I think Toyota can, do, can go to great lengths to improve the amount of information they communicate, uh, the ease of use. Right. For example... Trailer defining trailers that you use, and you know how many miles you you towed with each trailer. That's not very intuitive or easy to do. No, but just simply using the audio system to turn on a rock station or a news station or something like that, you have to you know swing a dead cat over your head, then you know spread the blood of a dead chicken on the well, hood. Well, you could to speak to it. 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 But even that, you it could, didn't. You it, could speak. It didn't could, always work. You could say, "Hey Toyota, please help me." 
Yeah, it like does. That. It does have an audio system that allows you to, to to do that, but it still doesn't work that well. It's just not intuitive. There are so many other systems out there that are so much easier to use, and and that's the thing about Toyota right now. I know they're moving into this new space of this new technology, and let's not talk about the whole thing of um, possible, you know, incentives for those people who actually want to pay for service, because that is coming. It is coming. Uh, and also driver assistance technologies. I think we have to talk about these because yes. this new Tacoma is full of latest tech. I mean, it's got a lot of driver assistance tech as well. Is it Safety Sense? What's the name of the system? Yeah, Toyota Safety Sense 3.0. Which is the first example of it. <laughs> well, at least in the truck. In the truck. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least, um, you know, for the pickup truck uh, markets. And because they have also the additional uh, premium uh, set of technologies on top of 3.0, which right. is like... Um, traffic assist, I think they call it, where at slower speeds, like below 25 miles per hour, if you're stuck in a major traffic jam on a highway, the truck will drive itself uh, hands-free, except your eyes still have to be on the road. So that's kind of the latest. System. Kind of defeats the whole joy of being hands-free. But I, I, I don't know if you noticed this driving back and forth uh, this week in the Tacoma. I, I turned the other uh, piece of uh, technology called the PDA. There's oh, so many acronyms, yeah, yeah. by the way. Actually, in this particular setting, if you have no adaptive cruise setup, it will still start braking for you approaching traffic. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. What and did you think about I that? I didn't mind once I got used to it. At first, I, I was a little freaked out because I thought something because was wrong. Because the truck is doing something by itself. Right. I didn't ask it to... I'm not in a cruise control setting. I'm just driving. Yeah. And it's like, wait, you should slow down a little bit more. Traffic's here. Look, you slow down more before you even touch the brakes because I don't like what you're doing. So the truck has a mind it off, of its by own. The way. Yes, I know yes. that. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of like being married again. Um, <laughs> whether or not you want to make the decision, someone's going to make that decision for you. Yes. Um, so, and it will also keep you in the lane. Yeah. It has that, too. Yeah, and if you're driving with the Lane Keep Assist system on, it will scream at you if you go out of the lane. And so I agree with you. It took me, uh, I don't know, a couple of slowdowns to get used to it. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, you know what? It's not super aggressive because some systems just nail the brakes yep. and they halt you down. This wasn't like that. So I liked that it was a little bit more gentle. Um, and then, of course, you could turn some of these features off. Yes. But there's one thing I dislike, and it's not just Tacoma. It's mostly Toyota in general. It's just warnings on top of warnings on Dear top God. of warnings and chimes and dings. If you, for some reason, are not wearing your seatbelt, let's say you're on your ranch and you're moving around and you want to move the truck from A to B to C, um, and you just didn't put on your seatbelt for a moment just to drive from the barn to whatever, um, it will it'll start beeping, beep, beep, beep. And then after a minute, once again, like being married, it'll start yelling at you. I kid you not. It's like bang, 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 and it won't stop. It doesn't stop after a minute realizing, mm, for some reason, this person doesn't want to put their seatbelt on. It'll just keep on going. Now, I know there's liability and a bunch of other issues. Of why course, it, safety, yeah. Of course, but it, there's a little bit... You, you, what you're essentially doing, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're torturing the driver into putting the seatbelt on or else that horrible sound will keep on coming. That, in my mind, is a form of torture. So there are situations. Look, I, I absolutely agree. Everybody must wear their seatbelt when they're on public roads and highways. But if you're in an area where it's not necessary for a particular reason or you need to hop in and out of the vehicle doing, I don't know, farm work, 
How about hooking up a trailer? Or hooking up a trailer. Then having that thing scream at you sucks. Yeah. There's one mo more thing. So I had the engine on in the Tacoma at mm -hmm. the ranch. Right. We have Tumbleweed Ranch, right? Mm -hmm. And I was doing a little bit of work, but it was really cold. So I wanted the engine on, right? But my driver door was open because I was, you know, getting some tools. I yeah. was coming in and out. And uh, I wanted to look at the dash. You know, I, I was just, you know, testing some things. But... Every other second, there would be a message on my digital dash screen that said, your door is open. It was warning me that the door was, but I, I know the door is open. I'm standing right next to it, actually. So I would cancel it. There's a little back button. I would cancel it. It would come back on. Exactly. But there has to be a limit in the more modern technology. And this is a general comment. This is, you know, Toyota... I know they, they, they want to be the safest sure. and they want to be the most, uh, you know, appropriate. Uh, but there must be a limit to how many warnings we have to receive. Yeah. It, this, I almost wish that, that we could put some sort of moratorium on, on certain things and just say, hey, listen, this is what's required. You don't have to go past that. You know, this yeah, is, but if I canceled the message that says the door is that's open, that's what's required. I, I'm telling the truck, yes, I'm okay. I'm canceling the message. But Toyota goes a step further and says, "Don't well, come back." <laughs> Toyota's like, "No, no, no. I think I'm going to come back and remind you again that your damn door is open, even though you already said yes, I know." But it's like that with other parts of the vehicle uh, electronically as well. Okay, so regardless okay. of the, okay. let's talk about how it drives because I know a lot of you just want to know how it drives, and I have good news for you. Yes, for the most part. It drives better than the vehicle it replaces, at least with city driving. Part of that has to do with the coil spring rear suspension. And it now has disc brakes all around. And it has improved its braking a little bit as well. It, it does. And it also has a uh, longer wheelbase because most pickup trucks, you know, have longer wheelbases. And it does a couple of things. It adds stability, mm -hmm. high-speed stability. Also helps with towing. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and also, I think handling in general. I mean, you have a larger footprint of the vehicle that you're actually driving because the track width has increased a little. You could see the bulging fenders kind of in the front and in the rear. The, the wheels are actually a little bit wider. Yeah, they, they stand out a little bit further. Now, there are a couple things to keep in mind with that. And this is a trend that a lot of automakers are going through, and that is – uh, you may not be quite as maneuverable as the vehicle you formerly drove. Now, we did not have a chance to really go and test. Be scientific about it. Yeah, but I can tell you that mm. it didn't feel that much different in terms of fitting it into a parking space. It did just fine. It's still smaller than a, um, you know, a full-size truck. But at the same time, um, steering yeah. was a little bit more communicative than I expected. I thought it would be lighter and less precise it wasn't. It actually was quite good. I thought better than the truck it replaced. And that's important. But the ride was a little tighter than I expected. A little bit stiffer than yes, you expected? a little yeah. bit. So I think I have an explanation for yeah, this. Yeah, hit me. Uh, because I actually put this truck on the scales. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we do. That's we, what we do. We weigh uh, things. Yeah, we weigh things. We, we try to be as precise as possible, especially with the pre-production vehicle like this. Right. We may not have all the final data. Right. So this limited Tacoma with all the bells and whistles, because we talked about a lot of bells, you know, a, a nice interior and sunroof. And mm -hmm. it weighs 4,800 pounds, okay. which sounds super high, but it's it's actually, you know, under 5,000 pounds, which I was pleased with. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it's a little getting on the heavier side, but 
it still had, according to the overall gross vehicle weight rating, 1,500 pounds of payload. So they jammed a lot of payload into this puppy, which is great. So do you think they did it by tightening the springs? Yeah, which makes the spring a little bit stiffer, I believe, Mm -hmm. because they do want to carry more weight. So if you put your family in it or carry, I don't know, a a topper on the back with some gear or some other, or towing a trailer, Ah. I, I think this truck would be more comfortable when it's loaded. If you recall, the now the Tacoma's never been the ace of towing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not supposed to be. No. Uh, in the past, I've noticed that even with light loads, you'll see a Tacoma sagging its butt. And that's because the, the oh, soft, yes. in many cases, they're off-road versions. They're softly sprung for off-roading. And they're just not really up to holding you know, a trailer at level. I think that this one, though, with its tighter springs and its higher rating probably will tow uh, a little bit better, at least being physically a little bit more level without any help, you know, without helper springs or anything like that. I think that it was one of the things that Toyota was aiming for, which is why I think that this one does have a slightly tighter ride. That and also uh, larger wheels uh, and those tires that are on there, by the way, are street tires. So... um, And they could be kind of stiff as well for for efficiency and other reasons Precisely, Mundo. So, uh, by the way, this truck was efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about our loops, chin and what, no chin. Uh, we got over, a little bit over 24 MPG on our highway loop, which is basically based on the Denver 100 uh, circular highway. Yeah, but that was with um, three people in the cab and a little bit of payload. Yeah, so I, I would say this is really good real-world uh, results. Mm-hmm. We, we, I cannot wait for the hybrid. I think the hybrid could have additional improvements. It would be interesting um, to, to see. I, yeah, I'm curious too. So overall, I'm, I'm pleased with the ride, and I'm also pleased with the additional payload uh, because I've been kind of harping on this over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, for example, the third-generation white Tacoma that we tested the drag racer uh, against yeah. had under 1,000 pounds of payload, which means four of us would basically much... max it out. Yep. That's... So, so that's what we've been talking about because a lot of people love... What do people love doing with Tacomas? Well, they like They're, overriding with them, or well, overlanding, well, overriding. Well, they put, yeah, bed racks. Mm-hmm. They put tents on top of it. Oh, yeah. You know, they put those bike racks that stick out like a mile behind the truck, <laughs> right. right? So all those things add leverage and weight. Uh, and this truck, I think, will handle that better than any Tacoma before. Yeah, I really do think that Toyota was thinking about that when they designed these trucks. Also, the overall ride felt a little bit more solid and what I mean by that is that what when you drive a Tacoma, an older one, there's a little little bit of a loosey goosey when you're like going through a little bit of a twist up and over into a driveway or into a parking lot or over a manhole cover or two. This felt a lot more stable. A stable. I can't speak today. Stable. It's the holiday season. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Too much nog. Um, so I, I have a theory about that as well. Fully boxed frame. I think that that makes the vehicle feel a little bit more connected and a little bit more solid underneath you. So, yes, it's more bulk, but at the same time, it really does feel connected. So there's sort of a pro and con to this. But um, I want to go out on a limb and say that this is one of the – A, it's the best handling Tacoma I've ever driven. But B, I think it's competitive with many of the trucks that are out there right now that are new to the market, including the Chevy Colorado – and I think it's now time for us to start comparing it to the other trucks we've yeah, driven. Yeah, we did a little bit already. A little but, bit. But I think we need to dig deeper. Um, and I'll just say before we move on, 
you mentioned the frame, and that adds weight lower, mm -hmm. you know, in the chassis, which makes it a little bit more stable as well. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's un it's it's taking away the weight from the roof and bringing it down to the floor essentially. Yeah. So yeah. And I want to say something else before we uh, really dig into the competition a little bit more. Uh, a lot of reviewers out there called the new Tacoma the Mini Tundra, mm. uh, which is which is kind of a compliment, right? Yeah. But but I want to flip it on its head a little bit. Okay. And I know the Tacoma came out after the Tundra, I of course, but I want to call the Tundra the large Tacoma now. Okay. So I want to flip it up because, in my opinion, the Tacoma is better executed overall as a as a holistic. I agree one hundred percent there. Um, so calling it a mini Tundra, I I, I you're think saying it's demeaning. It's a little bit demeaning, yeah, yeah, in I my view. You. This is just my personal thing, my personal take. So I, I, I love both trucks. You know, the Tundra is, be, you know, is really great at towing, for example. But I, I'm gonna start calling the Tundra the huge Tacoma. Fair enough. I mean, that, how about that? <laughs> you, you are an expert in your field, my friend. So if you're gonna call it that, so, then I'm gonna agree. And this is our podcast. We can we can say we whatever, whatever we want. Yeah, yeah and, and we're not even editing ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> People ask us to do that more often than not. Okay, but here's a point that's very interesting. If you look at the Tacoma and the Tundra side by side, they have some similarities in terms of their powertrain as well. And this is what I mean. There's an absolute base version of the Tundra, which has the weakest sauce out of all of the Tundras in terms of its powertrain. And then you go to the mid-level one, and then you've got the hybrid. Yes. Well, guess what? You have the exact same thing with the Tacoma as well, yep. just with two cylinders less. Yep. Right, you have a work version of it, you which have is a standard version, right? Of it, and of course, the hybrid is coming now. Technically, what we were driving was the standard version, meaning that the powertrain was probably going to be the more popular powertrain. I would imagine throughout a majority of the trucks that are sold, right? Yeah, I think so. It's going to be the meat of their market, right? So that performance, when you pair it against the Ford Ranger that we recently had, which we're set, we really wish we had right now and also the Chevy Colorado, those are the other two that are currently turbocharged with four cylinders. It isn't the fastest. No, and, and that's surprised me a bit. Not surprised me a bit, but disappointed me a bit mm -hmm. because uh, I'm pulling up the Chevy Colorado, right? right? So what happened with the Chevy Colorado, of course, it's a brand new chassis, all new truck in 2023, and mm -hmm. now 2024 ones are coming right. uh, online right now. Uh, they also made the wheelbase a little bit larger. I mean, same recipe. I mean, very similar recipe. Th they're similar. There are differences. Of yeah, course. of course. Of course. You know, actually, you only get the four door with the uh, Colorado. You can still get, get a a shorter cab right, with a to uh, Toyota with a Tacoma, and you can get a longer bed with a Tacoma. So, right. of course, there's many intricacies of each, but. The overall, I would say, kind of philosophy was similar. Make it more stable, mm -hmm. make it a little bit more capable, more fun, right? Extend the wheelbase. Um, with the extended wheelbase, though, uh, you mentioned maneuverability. I think both suffer, the new Colorado and the new Tacoma, both suffer with turning circle. Yeah, tight radius, radius circles. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's obvious for a person who's not used to a pickup. And I say this because over this holiday break, uh, over Christmas, my wife was driving my truck, my Colorado, mm -hmm. and she commented to me. She, she said, "Boy, this truck turns wide." Mm -hmm. And she's talking about the Colorado. Right. She's not a truck person. She drives a miniature mini BMW i3 right. that can turn within this room. Like yeah, seriously, the, it has a super yeah. size. Yeah. So but, she commented on it, and I agree. 
these trucks, the, the wheels don't cut in quite enough. You know what I'm saying? And they have an extended wheelbase over what they were before. Yes. And Toyotas have always been notorious about having a really wide turning radius, especially the Tacoma. So by stretching that wheelbase even further, yeah, that can affect it. However, I would imagine that they tried to compensate in some way. So it's possible that perhaps the steering angle may have increased a little bit. But honestly, in terms of tight radius turns, I didn't notice that much of a difference personally. But I get where she's coming from. And yeah, yeah in general, they do, they do have wide turning radiuses. And so uh, and the di real difference with the Colorado, as you guys may have seen in the drag race, because we already published it, like we said, uh -huh. is the Colorado engine is uh, way more torque, way more power, yep. actually, and usable power. And it was obvious. When you see them side by side, uh, my Chevy Colorado, which is actually an off-road version, the Trail Boss, just walked away. I mean, it was really obvious. What yeah, was despite the extra bulk of having their larger, beefier tires and everything else, and the Toyota was running on street tires, which should have given it a slight advantage with traction. Uh, yeah, the Colorado was definitely a monster to compete against, and that should and, change. And I'm sure hybrid. Toyota is right now typing and saying, "Wait till the hybrid." Yep. I'm sure that's happening. And yes, we will. We will test the hybrid. How soon until we start hearing about the hybrid, would you say? Well, they're saying April to May is the actual delivery to customers, which means we have to wait to April probably to drive it. Okay. Um, so we'll have to wait a couple, few more months still. Now, in terms of, once again, we're comparing now. Um, the Jeep uh, Gladiator is another vehicle we have oh, yes. a long history with. And oh, we've yes. driven every version. So we've driven the diesel, and obviously we've driven a lot of the naturally aspirated uh, Pentastar V6. Uh, both stick and man, or an automatic, and it also has an eight-speed automatic transmission. Uh, probably the preferable and probably much higher selling uh, version of that truck too. Um, it, it won't compete speed-wise. There's forget it. It's slow. It won't compete with the Tacoma with its Turbo Four, or obviously the Colorado with its Turbo Four. So if you're talking about street racing, it ain't and, the fastest. Okay, I think we need to address this elephant as well. Yes. Um, I, I saw some comments uh, from you guys saying, why are you drag racing pickups? Uh, yes. Fun. So when a, it is fun. Yes, it is that's fun. why. And also, well, bragging rights, fun. But also, we understand, of course, most customers, most people don't walk into a dealership, any dealership, and say, I want to buy a pickup truck. Tell me about its quarter mile performance right now. I don't think anybody says that. I don't know. But it's fun. It's fun, but there's there's something else. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, right? <laughs> um, and when you, in many cases, when you're on the freeway on-ramp, there's a place for you and then the person, you know, Are you talking you. about those metered on-ramps with right, lights? Right, right. And so basically, each time that light turns green, it is a drag race to see which one gets <laughs> the lane first. To get on the freeway. Also, it's a real world drag race. It is a real world drag race. And I, I, I truly believe that. I really do like getting in front of the guy next to me, especially if you go behind someone who's slow. It sucks. And then, in addition, having good speed to get up and onto that freeway and merge. Remember, it's not up to the people on the freeway to let you in, it's up to you to get in. And uh, as far as they're concerned, you're just a fly, you're, 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 you're bothersome. But if you're flying on there at a good rate of speed and you're equaling their speed, and merging on, then you're no longer a bother. You're just another person getting on the freeway. And there are certain vehicles out there that are remarkably slow and, frankly, are a bother to get on the freeway. So 
going back to the thing about us drag racing them, A, yes, it is important for us to know how they perform. Also, it's important to know how they perform up here at high elevation because if they do well here, imagine how they'll do in your city, right? Yeah, totally. So with that being said, we know that both the Jeep and, of course, the Honda Ridgeline uh, both have V6 engines. In fact, that's all they come with now. Um, the Honda, I think, is now a 9-speed, or do they move to the 10-speed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's still a 9-speed. Yeah. So it's similar to the Frontier in some ways. Yeah, it's similar in terms of what? displacement, but, I mean, it's a completely different vehicle. It's front-wheel drive bias, and it's, yes. yeah. Uh, and then, then, of course, the Frontier. So it's interesting. You now have half the world uh, with turbo fours and then half the world yeah. with these V6s. And how many of them will adopt uh, the smaller displacement turbocharged engines well, we are hearing rumors, but we don't know anything for sure. Well, so let's let's look at Honda just really quick. Yes, so please. the new Pilot is out. Yep, and it's dramatically improved vehicle. I think they have the actually a slightly lifted Trail Sport version that's kind of beefy, but they kept the same engine, didn't mm -hmm. they? Yep. So I think Honda is still very being very pragmatic. I think they're going to continue at least in the near future with their V6 engines. Yep. Or. Will they ever do a hybrid Ridgeline, well, do you think? That's the funny thing. Uh, now, I've, I've approached Honda more than once about this, and they, they like to smile when I ask stupid questions. They smile at me a lot. And obviously, they're looking at that because, remember, with uh, half-ton trucks, uh, even full-size trucks, that's all part of the EPA scale. And in order for them to maintain good scores with, you know, cafe numbers, they do need to make sure their vehicles are getting good mileage. Now, currently, their V6s are not that efficient, but they're relatively efficient. And for them to maintain profits, they're starting to move towards electrification in some vehicles. And now they're starting to look a little bit down the line towards doing more hybrids. And Honda does a really good hybrid uh, their Honda Accord hybrid is extraordinarily efficient. I know we're talking trucks, so that's all I'm going to say. However, that powertrain, if you look at the numbers and what it produces, there's no reason why that can't go inside of something like a Ridgeline. However, mm. there's a problem. What? Power to the rear wheels. Suddenly everything changes. Mm. Now, I bet you're saying, wait a minute, doesn't the CRV have a hybrid version as well? Yeah, yeah doesn't yes. it? It's not that powerful, though, and I don't think it would work well in the Ridgeline. In order to have the Ridgeline competitive with the other trucks that are hybrids or will be hybrids or turbos, you're going to need a lot more power. So that's where Honda's probably looking next is to find a way to make that proposition more powerful and more efficient than the current V6 because the best way to sell it is saying not only does it put out more power, but it gets better mileage. And for them to do that, they really have to jump a few hurdles. So I think for the next couple of years, we're still with the V6 with the Ridgeline. But I got to tell you, the Ridgeline is the smoothest of all the trucks we've mentioned in terms of highway drive, overall comfort. It's easy to park. It's, it's quiet. It's very easy yeah. to live with. And it is, it's comfortable. Yeah. So it does a lot it's, of things really well. But it's, it's not a full-on truck. Yeah, it really doesn't quite feel as... It's not body and frame, and it has a subframe. It does have a subframe. But, but it has that crossover SUV feeling. Precisely. You, you forget you have, you have a bed behind you, really, right. when you drive a Ridgeline. And I drive its little cousin, the Santa Cruz, and I can tell you, it's, it's basically like driving a, a crossover. The best thing about it is I can throw the keys to my wife, and I know for a fact that even though she'll run over curbs and do other things, it, it'll be fine. And she's basically driving a crossover, so it's easier enough to park and load up and all that other stuff. Yeah, totally. So moving on to the Ranger. Yeah, so I do have a picture of the current, not the all-new Ranger or the updated Ranger, but the current 2023 Ranger. Uh -huh. And the reason is is because 
yes, even though we showed you the debut of the new Ranger, the new Ranger is not on sale yet here in the U.S. No, everything's been uh, pushed back. Yeah, but I, I got to say, so the current Ranger, 2019 through now, uh, we've tested, we've owned one, actually, for several months, yep. half a year. Uh, we had a 20, I think it was a 2019 that we bought used. It was a 19. Uh, and then we sold it, of course. Uh, but uh, comfort was great. Do you like comfort of the Ranger or no? It's the Toyota's better. Uh, the Toyota has a more, the more new, the new Toyota. Yeah, the new Tacoma has a better interior. The 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 Ford drove. I'm talking quiet. about like the seat. The seats were fine. Yeah, yeah, the seats were fine. I would say that for long distance driving, and we did take one from California to Boulder, uh, and then in between, you know, off roading and all that, and it was great. It, the seating was fine, but all the components on the inside were not designed for comfort. They were hard plastics that were sharp. Oh, yes. If you recall. And the older design dash and all that stuff. It really felt like you're stepping back in time. So that's where the new Tacoma has the edge. However, in terms of being quiet, that was one of the quietest trucks I've driven. Yes. And what, like we said, we've towed with one many times, and it's really also a remarkable towing machine. It didn't care. And also on paper, remarkable, because it's the Ranger is rated at um, 7,500 pounds. Uh -huh. The new Tacoma is between 6,400 and 6,500 pounds. So this is one thing. Toyota did not do. They did not go chasing those claims. Which may have been a right? smart idea. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure where Toyota's mind is on this, but essentially I, I can never understand when someone says, I'll settle for the middle, and that's exactly what they did. Well, Be we saw what happened to the Titan when they said that. I know. The I know. Titan is being discontinued. Mm -hmm. But I think Toyota is in a different position. They have a position of strength. Yeah. They're the best-selling midsize pickup in the country. I think they'll continue that, too. And... They're improving certain elements that they need to improve, and I think they'll be fine. Yes. From their standpoint. So Toyota and Nissan are almost in a dead heat when it comes to towing, um, and, and payload to a lesser extent, I would say. They're pretty close. But if you look at the Ford, the Ford totally out-tows it. And, and also the Colorado is over, uh, same rating, 7,700 yes. pounds. What about the Jeep? Uh, also, la the latest ones are also rated at 7,700 pounds. So mm -hmm. once again... The Gladiator and the Colorado and the Canyon, 7,700 pounds. That's right. kind of the, that's the bar, yep. right? That's the top. And then Ford Ranger is a little bit lower at 7,500 pounds, but you're talking about 200 pounds. So I mean, that's, that's it's about the I same. I would say it's competitive, at It's least. about the same. Then, of course, we have the Frontier and the, and, and and the Tacoma right. at about 6,400 pounds-ish. And then the only thing underneath it is the uh, Ridgeline, which is 5,000 pounds, yes. I believe. Um, Ironically, some of the little baby trucks out there are pretty close to 5,000 pounds yeah, if you get including them. Including the Santa Cruz. Yeah, turbo. the Santa Cruz is is uh, equivalent if you get the turbo. But there's a point here to be made, and that is that many of you are already yelling at the screen or in your car yelling at us saying this. I'm not buying it to tow as much as a half-ton truck. We get it. Yes. But on paper, for some people, it does matter whether or not you are winning the towing game or not. And in this case, Toyota's not. But... In exchange with that, um, they've managed to build a truck that I think is competitive in every other way uh, that's and out inclu there. Including a real-world efficiency. Yep. Because even though I kind of like the seats in the Ranger, and I think the new one is even the same or better. I've sat in the new Ranger as well. Um, I love the way the, new, uh, the current Ranger tows. I think the Tremor specifically, the Ranger Tremor is wonderful off-road. Yep. And the new Raptor is coming. Yep. Uh, Ranger Raptor, those things are all great. Uh, 
but I mean, but the Tacoma has now, you know, reset the bar in many different ways, including efficiency, because we never yes. got what EPA says on the Ranger. Never. Yeah, the Ranger just hasn't been quite as efficient. That was the only, really, other than the interior materials, that was the only other thing that Andre and I agreed on, which was a bit of a disappointment, was that its numbers didn't even come close to matching what the EPA was stating. Also, what the truck was stating at one point, but that's a whole different story yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Jeep again. And the Gladiator, I really hate competing with the Gladiator in this realm because the Gladiator isn't that great of a pickup truck, but it's a very good off-road pickup truck. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's amazing off-road yes. if you get the right trim. Even the base trim is pretty decent because you still get four-wheel drive standard and you get the cab standard and you get the, the bed length. All that is standard with it. But it's just not quite as capable as the other ones as a pickup truck. And then as a Jeep, well, frankly, then a regular Wrangler is far, far better. So it's in this weird ether of its own. However, it can tow a lot, but it's not great to tow with. No. Isn't that a good way to put it? No. Yeah, we have to say this, right? Even though the number says 7,700 pounds, we've did the eye gauntlet with it, and yep. we've done other testing with the Gladiator. We owned one for actually over a year. Yep, we did. Uh, and it's a screamer. That V6 needs to scream to make its power. It doesn't feel like it's relaxed or comfortable. Right. Uh, I wouldn't tow near the limit in the Jeep. I would, and I did tow near the limit with the Ranger. Oh, yeah. And the Colorado. And I would, I think, tow at the limit with the Tacoma. Of course, we still need to do it. Uh, I would say the Frontier should be in that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, the Frontier... It tows you, really even well. Even though it still has a naturally aspirated V6, somehow it doesn't feel as strained as the Jeep. No, the Jeep they is. really dialed it in well. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's sort of the unsung hero amongst all these trucks because it is also one of the least expensive trucks if you want to get a 4x4 uh, with its king cab configuration. You can look that up later on. But it just doesn't quite have the gravitas of some of these other ones, especially the Tacoma, in terms of how many people buy them. But I think that this year may, may change things. Um, as we're rounding out this show, um, I think you guys will agree that right now pickup trucks are remarkably expensive. And we thought the prices might come down a hair, but haven't really seen much of that. And the new Tacoma is more expensive. Yep. I mean, it's... Almost $3,000 more expensive than the previous generation. That was truck. just ridiculous. Um, and a lot of you, we read your comments. We understand. And we are feeling it because we're buying one, too. Yep, that's exactly um, it. We're expecting it pretty soon. But let's talk about prices a little bit. Because we recently did the 2024 GM pickup truck pricing. Because mm -hmm. the Colorado price came out. Yep. And also the GMC Canyon prices came out. And I got to tell you, even though the, the Colorado also has four doors and a short bed, and two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, the Colorado is still less expensive than the Tacoma. By a pretty fair margin, but, but too. $1,900. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good chunk of change right there. That is a really good chunk of change. Yeah. And I would say that's pretty close to what the Frontier is doing as well. Yeah. It, it undercuts it as well. Yeah. So, you know, the reality is you're buying the Tacoma because you're buying a Tacoma. as opposed Because to, you're buying the name, really. You are buying the name. Yeah. So what about manual transmissions before we wrap up? Guess well, what? I'm, I'm thankful Tacoma still has it. I'm thrilled that they still yeah. do. However, there are a couple of things. It is trim dependent. So certain trims that you cannot get it and you cannot get it with the uh, hybrid powertrain that's coming out soon. That one will not allow uh, manual transmission. The only other vehicle you can buy that's currently being built that has a manual transmission option is once again, the Jeep Gladiator. Bam. That's okay. it. Yeah. And I drove, I spent limited time with the manual Tacoma, the new one. 
uh, because I really didn't, didn't want to feel it. I drove it in California, just gosh, for under an hour. Uh, you know what it felt like? It almost felt like driving a diesel big pickup because it's not a diesel. Mm. But here's here's what it is. The manual transmission Tacoma has an RPM limit that's lower at about 5,400 RPM instead mm-hmm. of 60 or 6,100 in the other one. And the gears are kind of close together. So to, to start off in the new Tacoma, you kind of, you almost could start in second gear because the first gear is pretty kind of low. It's mostly like for gra- like off-road. Granny gear. Uh, not quite a granny gear, but getting okay. towards that space. Okay. And then the second gear is pretty, the, the shifts are pretty tight and nice, mm-hmm. uh, but it almost felt like you had to short shift, you know, first, second, third to get going, um, which makes it kind of fun. You know, it's, you're really involved in the experience and you're driving it, you know, grabbing it by the scruff. Uh-huh. But I felt like it's almost had that diesel quality that you don't have a lot of RPM. Yeah, it's it's going to cut you off at 50, 5,500, you say? 54. 5,400. Yeah. Uh, does it have the same reverse setup as before? Because I, I didn't like, that was one thing I didn't like about the Tacoma's manual transmission is that it was easy to accidentally go into reverse. Mm, I didn't experience, I did go in reverse and I didn't feel really, it felt pretty good. But more, we need more testing. I would we need say. more testing. And, um, Another piece of good news is that Andre actually tested the the very base model of the Tacoma, which is something yeah. rare. They always give us, you know, one that is just filled with well, blitz like this and red stuff. one we showed you. Yeah, this yeah. red one. Now, how much was this red one? Fifty four thousand dollars. Fifty four. Unbelievable. Um, yes. Yeah. So that is a lot of dough for a mid size truck. Hell, it's a lot of dough for a full size truck. But the reality is, is that. Every other truck that we just mentioned, you can easily get it up to that price as well. Um, you know, if you get a the, the Pro 4X version of the Nissan and you slap on some stuff, you can hit the $50,000 range. If you get the Jeep, you can easily go well over $50,000 into almost $60,000 range. Oh, my gosh. Right remember one. that far-out diesel uh, commemorative edition Gladiator? Launch was... edition or something like that. No, no. No, no. The, no, the, no, the, no, the, no, the other one. The yes. final one. 71000 that Jeep was, the Gladiator. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the reality is, is that, yes, these prices, and unfortunately, guys, here's a dust of reality. These prices are not coming down anytime soon. In fact, because of everything that's happened between the UAW and all, all the stuff that you guys are, have been waiting for, I think prices are going to go up even more. So prepare so, for that. So, yeah, the only thing you can do to get a great deal well, first of all, end of year, right now. Right now. Uh, you may have some wiggle room and some. Um, we're not talking about Tacomas. Tacomas are always hot. No, no, they're never going to yeah. have a lot full yeah. of them. But if you do have, if you do see a pickup truck, for example, like a Ram 1500, <laughs> that's about to be uh, renewed next year. Right. And some of them, if they're sitting on the lot, the dealer wants to move them. So that's when you can jump on it and get some good deals. Um, I was just lo- looking at our local dealership, Johnson Auto Plaza mm-hmm. in Brighton. And yeah, some of these you know, current Ram 1500s have been sitting for a couple of weeks, maybe three or four weeks. There are discounts, sizable discounts on those trucks. Ford Rangers, if you can find one, they're probably yeah, going to be discounted. Yeah, good luck finding one. But if you do find one, they'll probably be discounted. I've been hearing that Jeep is finally back to MSRP. And in some cases, I'm hearing stories of going under that. Yeah. Nissan's the same. They're right now, they have lots with plenty of trucks. Uh, you have to find them. 
but they're there, and they are also at, if not slightly under MSRP, and there's also some fairly good deals that are that can be had. So it, they're still out there; they're still available. But my warning is. In time, it, prices are just going to continue to increase. Also, what I noticed with the Gladiator, since we are wrapping up the show as well, um, they bought uh, dealers and the factory produced a lot of manual transmission during COVID. Yeah. Uh, there are some chip shortages and things going on. It was easier on. for them to build so manual. Sometime, yeah, it was easier for them. And now some of those manual trucks are still sitting. So if you are a, a manual transmission enthusiast, bam, you can get a deal on one because they're sitting there. Um, you could swoop in and get it. That is mighty tempting. You know, that was one of the trucks I was looking at originally, the yes. bare bones manual Except a year and a half ago when you were looking, <laughs> it was, it was hotness. Yeah. It was COVID time. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed significantly. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I know this was all laden with Toyota stuff. I promise you the next one won't be. Um, and we Well, we have to follow the news. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's the thing. You guys have been asking questions. We're answering those questions with this new Tacoma. But there's a lot more Tacoma videos to come in the future, including us acquiring our brand new Tacoma, which is right around the corner. Yeah, which should include the road trip. It should include snow off-roading, actual uh, other real off-roading. Right. Maybe even Moab. Uh, and... Of course, towing. Of That's course. what we will really want to do. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us. If you have any comments, please leave them down below. We do read our comments as often as we can. And also, you know, if you want your answer, your questions directly answered, Patreon is the way to do it. Patreon.com slash TFLCar. And actually, you can just ask your question or state a comment in the chat room here mm -hmm. at Patreon. Um, because uh, William, for example, William Wallace was wondering, how do I ask a question? Well, just put it right there in the chat room. And scream freedom really loud. Freedom. It's a really cool name. Yeah. All right. All right. Th thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.